We are live. What's up, everybody? And welcome to another episode of Police Off the Cuff After Hours. My name is Mark the Mayo. I'm your host. I'm here with my co-host, my partner, and all things law enforcement, the very handsome Bill Cannon. What's up, Bill? Doing good, man. It's nice to see Mike back again. He's been a guest at least once or two. Actually, twice he's been a guest. He's been, Maybe he's three, times. three times. <laughs> three Especially times. Especially early on in the show, he was uh, yeah, he was the, the top-ranked guest. Um, he's an author. He's a poet. He's a retired first grade NYPD first grade detective. Um, he's here with us again. What's up, Michael O'Keefe? Hey, what's going on, Mark? Good to see you guys again. Good to see you too, man. I, I, you're hustling now with the book, right? Um, Burn to a crisp. Yeah, trying to get it out there. It's uh, it's a little difficult. Uh, there aren't too many live events. I actually have to host one. I guess if I'm going to have one. Uh, Next Thursday, I'm actually doing a book launch out here on Long Island. All well, right, Mike, so you're just getting back into it because of COVID, right? So you couldn't really make appearances. Now you get out there, you start uh, hawking your books at bars, restaurants, libraries, uh, pole dancing seminars. Sure, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go to the opening of an envelope if I think I can fill a book there. But, uh, it, it's been difficult because all of the stuff that I used to count on, for my in-person uh, appearances, all got canceled. All of the book fairs, all the library shows, all the book shows. Uh, I mean, it was tough. I released my last novel, A Reckoning in Brooklyn, at exactly the wrong time, about a month before the pandemic hit. So I probably took about a 50 grand hit in actually person-to-person -person sales because of the pandemic. So I'm wow. hoping to do a little better with this one. You know, Mike, for people that don't know you, I'm going to just introduce you. Uh, them to who you are you can't talk about michael o'keefe the author without talking about michael o'keefe the first grade detective michael o'keefe the three four anti-crime cop that was involved in the incident in 1992 where you got in an altercation with a uh a perp named kiko garcia and it was a life or death fight uh hand-to-hand -hand combat and gun guns involved and you shot and killed kiko garcia and that has more somewhat defined your police career and later on now your career as an author because that was a defining moment in your life yeah it was uh obviously it was a critical moment uh if i didn't come out of that hallway that would have been the last you heard of michael o'keefe um you would have never wrote these three books no 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 <laughs> so uh that's three books that never would have been written how about that you know, uh, i want i want to just i want to put um something up on the screen uh because people can get the flavor of what New York City was like uh back then and we'll just we just play this uh these bottles and bricks are being thrown several cars have been set on fire some of their occupants have been thrown from the cars one building directly across from the building where 24 year old Jose Garcia was shot was set on fire. According to police, the protesters are not organized. They're traveling in bands numbering up to 200. So far, several demonstrators have been arrested. Two police officers and a civilian have been injured in front of the precinct. Now, as I said, this is almost an uphill battle. Cars are being burned. Police are trying to keep the peace peacefully. They're trying to do everything they can. There have been several arrests. Many are going on right now, even as we speak. Now, these problems have been going on since Friday night. Earlier today, Mayor Dinkins visited this exact area. It was quiet. Kyung Yoon has more on that story. Policia, asesino, policia, asesino. 
Angry Washington Heights residents called the police assassins, meanwhile keeping a watchful vigil over a makeshift memorial to Jose Garcia, who would have turned 24 today. The part-time bodega clerk was killed Friday night by 34th Precinct plainclothes police officer Michael O'Keefe, a death that sparked violent community protest. Community leaders like City Councilman Guillermo Linares scrambled to calm the growing outrage in the community. In the afternoon, Mayor Dinkins paid a visit to the grieving family of the victim. I came to pay my respects and offer my condolences to the family and to assure them that uh, everything that can be done will be done, thoroughly investigate the circumstances of this death. Witnesses insist the unarmed man pleaded for his life as Officer O'Keefe beat him repeatedly with his police radio, then shot him in cold blood in the lobby of this apartment building. But the police account is that Officer O'Keefe found a fully loaded 38 caliber revolver on Garcia. Residents accuse O'Keefe of being a crooked cop who allegedly ripped off drug dealers. Investigators have yet to question O'Keefe, who's called in sick every day since the shooting. The incident comes at a time when the 34th... <laughs> along with several others, is under investigation for corruption. Do you feel that this incident is going to accelerate the investigation of police corruption in the city, especially regarding the 34th? I think it ought to be understood that an allegation of, of police brutality, which is what exists here, is not the same as an allegation of corruption. An autopsy by the medical examiner ruled the death a homicide, but revealed no evidence Garcia was beaten, disputing witness accounts. Again, as you can see behind me, police are trying to keep the peace. Now, it has been pretty peaceful here at 162nd in St. Nicholas. There has been a candlelight vigil going on all night. Some of the supporters of Jose Garcia have lit candles in memory of him. They have also painted murals on the walls adjoining the building where he was allegedly shot by that police officer. However, at times, M-80s are being thrown, bottles are being thrown, and it is total chaos. Uh, it is important to note, uh, while this is going on, while buildings and cars are being burnt, the majority of the people here are trying to keep the peace. They're in their homes. As I said, there are large numbers of youths roaming the area, but still, this is a 30-block area, and there's an awful lot of peace, people trying to keep the peace up here. We'll have a lot more for you later. Reporting live from Washington Heights, Penny Crone, Fox 5 News. Now back to you. Wow, there was a lot of, lot of things said in that... In that uh... <laughs> Nothing's changed. Let's put it that way. You know, the, okay. other, well, the, the one thing you notice, I'm sorry, the one thing you notice, Mike, is how ridiculously biased the press is. The press mm -hmm. is like, look, look at their report, what they reported. They just uh, reported a one-sided horrendous, you know, he beat him. Michael O'Keefe beat him and the three fours up for corruption. And, and he went sick every day since the, they don't mention that that's police procedure to go sick like you went sick like there was something wrong with you going yeah sick. I actually i didn't go sick i wanted to come back to work they told me stay home right, right they retroactively listed me as sick they got everything wrong in that yeah pretty much and then there, there was you know it was very kind of uh mayor dinkins at the time to uh offer the family condolences and comfort uh mrs o'keefe uh at home in queens never heard from him you know lifelong citizen City of New York, man didn't feel uh, the need to reach out to her. Um, you know, it was just—it was ridiculous. It was—it was absurd. It was sublime. Um, when you see that, Mike, does it? What does it do to your stomach? How does it make you feel when you see that being replayed like that? 
Well, ultimately, what it depresses me because I look at that, and here we are. It's 29 years later, and it's same shit, different day. We have not learned from our mistakes. We're judging cops without any information coming in just because there's an allegation from someone. And yeah, I don't I don't know what the solution is. The media does not help. Obviously, they're gonna report whoever talks to them in the police department. That's not what we do. We don't give you the information up front. We do an investigation and you and then it's released to you when we see when the information basically is complete and it's time to release it. The fact that the media doesn't know anything for whatever reason doesn't make them think that they should stop talking. So they just keep flapping. And the one inaccurate is the nicest thing I can say about it. Side of the story is what gets reported. And this creates a narrative in the public's mind that it's very difficult to move them off of. Once they think they understand something, they stop accepting other information, even if the other information is correct. Well, I so, know that the police department, uh, maybe they weren't quick enough to the draw, but they got the truth out about Kiko Garcia. And they must have had some friendly people in the press because I remember seeing him um, on a Manhattan North Narcotics video showing off like kilos of cocaine and he was standing there posing with his guns. Yeah. Uh, interestingly enough, major case narcotics. Um, they basically let everybody know in the police department hierarchy that they had the open investigation going on that drug spot. And they had these videotapes and they had X amount of buys, including on Kiko Garcia. They had bought from, uh, by that time, the mayor's office was already managing the story, and they suppressed it. So somebody in that major case narcotics team went around them and, and the mayor's edict to sit on the information and released it to the press. And that sort of Obviously, saved your ass, the press right? is going to welcome a story like that because it's a scoop. So that's the only reason it got out. It wasn't, wasn't the reporter who got the information wasn't looking to do the right thing. They're just looking to uh, basically scoop their competitors. Yeah, right. but I think also, too, you have to keep in mind, the, the story is exciting for the news as far as ratings go. When it yeah, mayhem, is way, mayhem is exciting. And it's for that reason why I yeah, look but, at the Main Street media and I label them parasites. And the next part that's even more exciting is when a, a video like that about Kiko Garcia gets released because now it brings up another side of the story. So now we're going to bring up another back to the original side, the other side. Now they're competing against each other. The truth is going to come out. It becomes like a soap opera. And that's what the ratings, you know, that's what they do. They, the, the media wants to do. Those stories are exciting for them. Well, that, that story, basically the story about him and, and the video of him tossing the cocaine in the air, uh, that played uh, – There was a there was an outrage uh, by the working people in the city of New York when they found out that the mayor was paying for basically a royal funeral for this drug dealer who tried to kill a cop. And people who ordinarily just want to be left alone and want to go to work every day all of a sudden got really pissed off because their tax dollars were going to pay for this. And 
people that work for a living, they don't want order taken away. It's the order that they count on that allows them to go to work every day to feed their family and pay their mortgage. So they lost their minds. And Dinkins took a beating politically for the stance that he took in this. And the thing about it is he never came off of that. He doubled down on that bad information. Mike, and if you could just comment on the picture on the screen, just like uh, people don't know what who those masked men are. Those are some handsome young men, all born and raised and living in the city of New York, who were running around in plain clothes, taking guns off of bad people in Washington Heights in the uh, late 80s and early 90s. That is, uh, that's my old anti-crime unit, the local motion team. And Mike, part of this story is that the story didn't end after the Kiko Garcia shooting for you or even for the 3-4 anti-crime. Uh didn't, didn't the feds go after the federal government went after the three, four anti-crime with the intention of locking people up? Yeah. Well, I mean, we were, we were high value targets. Once we were publicized as being, you know, you give somebody a nickname, you just put a target on their back, particularly anyone in law enforcement. And once we became known generally to the public as local motion, uh, Anyone that we, anytime you lock someone up, particularly a drug gangster, anytime you lock someone up for a firearm, they have two choices. At arraignment, they could plead guilty and say, yeah, you got me with the gun. Or they could plead not guilty and make a story up about how they either didn't have the gun or how the gun was, came into their possession. So subsequently, every time everybody pled not guilty, they had a, a story that reflected bad upon the arresting officers that uh, allegedly we put the gun on them and that they never had the gun or that we were lying. The feds now in the, in, in the form of their official corruption unit, get these allegations and the way that I might not be the best person to talk about this because I'm still very bitter about it. And I absolutely hate federal law enforcement because they're corrupt Right, not necessarily for any other reason but their own career advancement. For a federal prosecutor to get a group of anti crime cops for civil rights offenses, like local motion, you can pretty much guarantee that they're going to either be one of the top U.S. attorneys or possibly even the governor one day. Uh, so, getting a group of cops with a nickname that's a high value target for a federal prosecutor. They were willing to frame us and actually impanel five separate grand juries that all came back no true bill. So then they went dirty and they created a perjury trap. And one of my partners, Patty Regan, was forced to testify. And it really was a cross-examination in front of a grand jury for eight and a half hours. And he uh, subsequently was indicted for perjury and I believe obstruction of justice. Uh, and the thing about it is the perjuries that they claimed that he was guilty of were really just failure to recollect correctly about five taped phone calls that took place months previously to his testimony. And they figured that if they got him and they indicted him on that, they could get him to flip and he would sign off on whatever allegation they put in front of him. Uh, well, they were wrong. Cops don't flip. Real honest cops don't flip. And Patty Regan ended up doing a year in federal penitentiary. And uh, it's not even, I mean, it's, that's not even the worst. They sent him to Kentucky, I believe, right? Yeah, and they, and they chose conduct Kentucky. He went to the prison uh, at the center of the Daniel Boone National Forest, and there is nothing around 
within two hours of that prison. Uh, when we went out to see him, we pretty much, we had to stay in a hotel in Lexington, which was four, a four and a half hour drive. Wow. Just to go see him. To, to basically spend an hour or two with him. And we did this a couple of times uh, in, in the year that he had to spend up there. But um, yeah, it was brutal. And, and every week, an FBI agent from Kentucky had to go in and see him and sit down and ask him, you want to change your story now? <laughs> and he told, and you know, he told him, no, no, I don't go fuck yourself. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Mike, I mean, there's, there's someone in our chat, re retired Sergeant Melinda, who's a um, retired um, U.S. I believe U S army uh, Melinda. She wrote, said, I've read one of O'Keefe's novels, and I couldn't put it down. Great man he is. Oh, that's very sweet of her to say. Thank yeah, you, Captain. Very nice, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm just going to put Mike's books up on the screen. This is his first novel, Shot to Pieces, which is a little bit, it's pretty auto, autobiographical. You use your own life as the backdrop, but you call yourself Patty Durr, right? Yeah, well, it's... Interestingly enough, Patty Durr is actually my birth name, so it's even mm. more autobiographical than than you, than you suspect. And let me put the second book up. This is a reckoning in Brooklyn. Yeah, and then this is the third one right now, uh, Burnt to a Crisp. And if you haven't read any of Michael O'Keefe's novels, they're fantastic. And like Sergeant Melinda says, she couldn't put it down. And I've actually lent them to friends of mine, and that doesn't help Mike. I know getting no. buying a new book. <laughs> But they've they've loved the book and and they, they actually return it, which is a good sign, you know. That sure. They really liked the book, you know. Or they fear you. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it's that, but. <laughs> and this was a this was a you did another episode one time of uh, police off the cuff, and I believe um, that was the flyer for it, made by Angie. Yeah, that's a good flyer. Angie Yang made the flyer. Yes, very nice. And this, of course, is the flyer for this show. Some handsome fellas in that, uh, the, in the the bottom leaning toward the right, some real handsome guys there, right? Yeah. <laughs> See, every crew I'm with, I'm always the run to the litter. I, 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 I don't think I realize I'm as short as I am until I get around you, you big animals. <laughs> so what? Uh, so you said you have a book signing coming up now? So it's starting to pick up? Well, this one, I, I'm actually, uh, I'm, shout out to retired uh, Detective Jim Lamondola uh, from the NYPD. He actually owns, uh, he's one of the owners of the Nutty Irishman in Farmingdale. And he takes care of me whenever uh, whenever I release a book. He gives me the back room. And uh, I pumped it up through social media. I'm hoping to have a, have a good number of people. It's uh, I'm running a happy hour from 7 to 8 on Thursday, July 29th. And then... Uh, after the happy hour, I'm going to do the book event, read a little bit of the book, maybe some original poetry, uh, you know, open the floor up to some questions. It should be a good time. So it's a really nice place. Yeah, hopefully, um, you know, both of us are comics as well. So it's starting to pick up again, you know. Yeah. I just came back from Nashville. I uh, did a gig with uh, legendary comedian, uh, both of them too, uh, John Barooney, who's been a guest on the show, he is uh, he's a legendary comedian. He's also working upstate as a police officer right now. And uh, Joey Cola. And we did it for uh, this group called uh, the New York 
Tactical Officers Association, uh, NATO, and uh, the president is his name is Larry Bereznoy. He's a great guy. I've done a few shows for him. He has uh, a lot of events. So, for example, it's a three-day seminar. You get lectures from the best in in the fields. Uh, this this one was particularly for SWAT teams, tactical teams, apprehension teams, uh, hostage negotiation teams. They have a trade show going on there, and they have these lectures all day. And then at nighttime, I guess you could go visit um, downtown Nashville. And one of the nights they had a comedy show, so we performed, and it was uh, it was a lot of fun. I, I went through the tactical force. I went live on on uh, YouTube with it. Uh, it was my first time doing a YouTube live, so it was a little clunky, and um, but it was funny. And at the end of it. Um, when you go to one of these trade shows, they have all the latest gear, all the latest guns, helmets, tactical vests, you name it. There's uh, drones, um, whatever is involved in law enforcement. If you're a buff, you know, you want to go to these events. If you are um, EMS, they also have one for EMS. They have several different categories that you can go away for a few days and, and uh, get all this training and stuff. And at the end of it, I found a guy and he had some like, futuristic Captain America stuff and he had this glove and he puts the glove on you and uh, it shocks you with electrodes and I, I gotta tell you um, I made the mistake of, of being the, the guinea pig I tried to talk John Maroney into doing it he bailed and there was nothing like it and if this stuff gets out there uh, and law enforcement can use it you won't have to worry about <laughs> taking down perps anymore, man. You just put that glove on. You touch them. You got to touch their skin, though. They can't. It's got to be some part of their skin. It can't be the hair or the clothes. But it took me down, and um, immediately there was no thought of even fighting. I could. You can't do nothing. That's how many volts are going through you. And the funny thing is, it only stays in that one particular area. So he grabbed me on the forearm, and it only stayed right there. It doesn't. It doesn't move to your heart or any other way. Wherever they touch you, that's exactly where you feel the um, the shock. So there's a lot of crazy gear that's coming out there, man. I buffed out, I got to tell you. <laughs> well, now, the what, downside what, of that, Mark, is you need a state legislature that will let you use it. It doesn't matter what you invent. If the police mm -hmm. aren't allowed to be the police, those that tactical gear is never getting used. You know, that's, that's true, true because they look the police department came out with a robot that was shaped like a dog yeah and it, it could do a lot of things and the uh city council nixed it he handled one case and he came out flawless that that dog a, sh mm -hmm. a shining star they took videos of him coming out the building he had the perp like cuffed <laughs> he was dragging the perp out <laughs> and th that was his first and last job it was you know what it was it was done too well mm. If you, Duty Ron, you, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Duty Ron, thank you so much for that $10 super chat. Uh, Duty Ron and I and uh, Phil Grimaldi and Irma Rivera, we had a, a hell of a, uh, a show last night. We got a little controversial. I won't get into what it was about because uh, that's why we, <laughs> you could you could tune in and watch it. You'll see why it was controversial. But uh, you got to be careful in these uh, – there's, there's there's haters out there that don't don't love everything you say. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. The podcast wars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, that's right. The podcast wars. Mm -hmm. People fighting for super chats. People fighting for a bigger audience. You know, and uh, 
somewhere in there there's ethics and and honesty you know and so that's what so, we want um, to do let me ask you what, are you working on something now what are you doing are you got something are you writing yeah i actually have two more finished novels um i'm in the editing process with both of them um I'm not sure which one I'm going to publish first. I have another Patty Durr novel, which will be a follow-up to Burn to a Crisp. Uh, and I'm actually working on a, uh, it's a 1979 college basketball point shaving novel. Uh, beat the mob, beat the government uh, basketball book. And it's, uh, it's interesting. It's basketball before the three-point arc and the shot clock, which was pretty much the last time I played it. And, and the and the high shorts, the sh yeah, right, the yeah. shorts. Remember those? Uh, short shorts. Yeah, shiny, short shiny shorts. shorts. No, seventy nine. Actually, the uniforms had changed a little bit. They weren't as severe as the ones Will Chamberlain was wearing in the sixties. Right. But uh, it was seventy nine. You know, it's uh, it was Wasn't that was that an age of innocence. Was no, that so when there was the CCNY scandal, or was that back even? No, further? CCNY took place in the fifties. Uh, what I based this event on um back in the uh i think it was the early 80s uh fritzy Givanello managed to fix the uh some bought some basketball games at boston college and that schedule that 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 whole scandal blew up um but it never got as big as it potentially could have um so i kind of took that and I moved it forward uh, backwards a couple of years to 1979, and I put it at Brooklyn College, the Brooklyn College Blackbirds, and I actually turned them into a national basketball power in the novel. Um, and it involves, obviously, New York Mafia. Um, and, I, and I keep the story kind of located in Brooklyn, which is nice because it's got a 1979 Brooklyn feel to it. If you lived in Brooklyn at that time uh, – it was just a grittiness uh, to the existence back then. Uh, I mean, loan sharks were a real deal. Nobody had any money unless you went on the street to go get it. Uh, everybody was on a hustle. Everybody was on a scam. And uh, it just, it added, people walked a razor edge between lawlessness and, and, and uprightness. And it was, uh, sometimes you weren't sure which side of the line you were on. And this book takes you down that path. Sounds pretty good. I mean, you, you know, you have a great flair in your writing for detail, yeah. which I really appreciate because when you paint a picture as a writer and you can actually see what the writer's talking about. And I always wonder, I think, wow, did he ride back there to go re-look that up? Because I never remember. Like, you know, I, I attended bar at Pete's Tavern on 18th sure. Irving sure. in like 1982 to 85. And, you know, I could describe it, but I couldn't describe it in great detail unless maybe I sat out there and had a pen and, and wrote down exactly what the architecture looked like. And, you know, well, I, I have a picture in my mind, but, you know. Yeah. Well, where, where I actually set this book, it's, uh, it's around the areas of uh, Park Slope, um, downtown Brooklyn, um, Flatlands. Flatlands is a big one. I actually have my basketball star comes out of uh, St. Thomas Aquinas and Flatlands. And, for you people who are basketball historians, particularly New York basketball historians, that's where Chris Mullen came from. Right. Chris was the big star from my era. I actually, well, I shouldn't say that I played against him in high school. I sat at the end of the bench and watched him destroy us. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> but that was my era of basketball, you know, in CYO in high school and then watching him go to St. John's and do amazing things. So, uh, you know, I, I have a personal knowledge, not necessarily an experience, but a knowledge of, of uh, you know, what was going on back then uh, as it related to basketball. And also I grew up in those neighborhoods. So I'm writing detail from memory for the most part. It's, you know, that's my life. I lived it. And now I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to use that to paint that picture. So hopefully, uh, hopefully I paint it well, you know. I think you will, Mike. You, you know, you're you're a great writer. I mean, when I see or read your books, I'm I'm, I'm very envious of, of how well you write because I can write like police reports at TPO, yeah. <laughs> the above listed. <laughs> you know, well, I learned how to I learned how to write those things, but yeah. I, I you know I don't know if I can write you know where people would actually read what I wrote. Yeah. You know, well, all, all through all through actually, it started in in seventh grade actually. Um, Thank you, Miss Wintergurst. I had a crush on uh, the first teacher that ever taught uh, creative writing at All Lady of the Miraculous Medal in Ridgewood. And uh, I wrote in high school short stories, plays, poetry. Uh, St. Francis Prep was the kind of school that we were creative. You know, we had magazines, we had newspapers, and you were encouraged to write and, and submit to these things. So, you know, I knew what it felt like to actually have things accepted and read by other people, and I liked it. And then all through college, I wrote and submitted and had some things published. But then the police department came along, and the only thing I wrote were pretty much police reports. I was very busy, spent a lot of time in court, made a lot of arrests. When I got to the detective bureau, my first big case in the 108 squad was, a, was basically a house robbery. This guy shot the place up with a machine gun and robbed everybody. It's like six different perps. Uh, I do a great job on the investigation, but now it's time to type the DD5s, and an old-timer gives me the worst advice I ever got on this job. He says, don't document anything. They can only <laughs> tear you apart and cross-examination. And kid, <laughs> and kid, take a pension loan every six months. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the same idiot that told me that. But in any event, <laughs> now this case goes to trial a year later, and I don't remember anything. I mean, I have a vague picture of what went on. I know, you know, I got the lineup forms. I got the photo array forms, but I don't have any documentation. So when cross-examination comes, I am getting savaged on the stand. Yeah. It got so bad that the jury felt bad for me. This guy did his client a disservice because right away I realized, listen, I screwed up. I took some bad advice. I do not have, two years later, a year and a half later, I don't have an independent recollection of everything I did every second of every minute of this investigation. What I do have is this. And I testified to that again. And finally, the guy gave up. He couldn't, you know, he wasn't getting any more mea culpa out of me than that. And fortunately, we got a conviction. And the guy, I think the guy did it, ended up doing 18 years. But from that day forward, I went into the squad and I'm like, that's it. If I'm going to remember these cases, I'm going to have to tell me a story, tell myself a story that I'm going to remember. So I started typing fives in the way that I would type a short story. Drove my bosses nuts. <laughs> my my uh, sergeant in the, in the A3 rep, Gary Leone, came out of the office flustered. He goes, why do I need a thesaurus to read your five? <laughs> I'm like, 
because you didn't go to St. Francis Prep. I don't know what to tell you. I'm not changing. And then when I told him why I wrote my fives like that, he was like, all right, continue. You know, Mike, I just want to tell a quick funny story relative to that stuff is that cops always try to get advice from other cops, even though you shouldn't do that in certain instances. If you want financial advice, the worst person you could ever go to is another cop. You should go to a financial advisor. If you want legal advice, you should go to an attorney, right? If yep. you, but yet all these people, I, there was a big discussion online a, f- a couple of weeks ago saying, if you get pulled over for DWI, should you blow or should you not blow? And all these cops are saying, don't blow, don't blow, don't blow. And I said, you know something, maybe you should ask an attorney because I think things have changed. Joe Murray, you're in the live chat. What do you say? Should you blow or not blow? And don't send me a bill for this advice. <laughs> Where is he? I, I I know he's in the chat somewhere. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about? That remember when we came on the job, the old timers would say, "Hey, kid, take a pension loan every six months. It's your money." Yeah. Well, the, the thing is, I'm a rookie detective, and I'm asking a guy who's been doing this for 15, 20 years. So I'm thinking I'm going to get some sage advice. But by the time I got out of the 108 and I got a look at this guy's act, I realized he didn't make a pimple on a detective's ass. He was the last guy's <laughs> so What I should have done was gotten on the phone and called Jerry Giorgio. <laughs> Jerry would have straightened me out. He God was a great, one of the best who ever did it. In my opinion, the best who ever did it. Guys, we're going to go to a quick commercial. Folks, if you're getting sick and tired of many things in New York, the politics, the taxes, a lot of things, and you want to move down south, say, to Myrtle Beach, well, Carol Waters is a realtor down in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. For 20 years, she worked as a bartender at the Fitzpatrick Hotel in Midtown. Her husband, Rob Mayen, was an NYPD police officer who rolled over to the fire department And together, they make a great team of realtors down in Myrtle Beach. So if you're looking to relocate for a vacation home, a condo, or to buy a home down there, give Carol Waters a call, 914-261-6681, or you can email her at carolwaterssellsmb at gmail.com. Joe Murray, attorney at law. He's not only a frequent guest, he was a great NYPD cop, uh, turned lawyer, ran for uh, Queens DA, um, but he is a phenomenal lawyer. If you ever run into trouble, make sure that you have this card in your pocket. Take a picture of the screen. Visit his website. It's jmurray-law.com. The phone number's on here as well. Uh, he's a frequent guest. He's our legal expert, and God forbid you get into trouble. You don't want to fool around. You want to have the best on your side, and trust me when I tell you, Joe Murray will be behind you 100%. He's a gentleman, um, and he knows what he's doing. Wow. That was great. You know, all I have to do is pull up an episode and go to, like, the half-hour point, and there's his card on the screen. <laughs> I, could pull it, I could pull it up on my phone, you know? <laughs> so, Mike, what uh, you got two more novels waiting to be released. How about uh, turning one of your novels into a, a movie or a TV series. Uh, you got you got anyone looking to write the screenplays? I actually had some interest with uh, and with respect to writing the screenplays. I'm writing them. I know how to write a screenplay. Uh, I want to get paid on a lot of levels when it's time. Um, 
I had some interest. There were some people talking about possibly doing a series, possibly doing a short film, uh, possibly doing uh, a screenplay to get the, to get one of the novels optioned. And then Derek Chauvin took a knee on somebody's neck in Minneapolis, and everybody ran for cover. I'm getting canceled largely because my material is cop related. Yeah. So I have to wait for society to uh, check itself come back to reality and realize who their heroes are. And, um, you know, when they get tired of releasing this woke content that doesn't sell, that nobody wants any part of, uh, perhaps they'll want to feed their families again and then they'll come looking in my direction and I'll be, uh, I'll be happy to entertain them, but I'm going to be doing background checks on anyone who wants to invest in me. And Mike, who's your barber in that picture anyway? <laughs> that would be looks, my wife. Uh, it looks like a potential Marine Corps haircut there, you know? No, yeah. what that is is that's uh, it's the same haircut I got now. It just grew out a little bit. I uh, yeah. I used to have beautiful hair. I don't anymore. It's fleeing. Um, and it's failing to grow in places that I wish it would stop failing to grow in. <laughs> <laughs> So you, you know what you know what you need. Well, Mike, I still have some coverage up top. I'm I'm keeping the side shaved. No, but what you need for your hair, that's what you need. Dipped in butter. <laughs> <laughs> your hair will grow miraculously. If you... I'm working on it. It's not working yet. <laughs> you you got to some... change the formula. We got to get some cocoa butter out there to mm. the fans. <laughs> no, it's you know, I'm holding on, but whatever. It is what it is. My hair doesn't define me because it's not much of a definition. <laughs> you know what you spoke about before, as far as um, you know, the canceling basically of the whole police culture mm. that 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 show that was on TV that everyone loved that live police show. Yeah. Uh, you know, people loved that. That was canceled, and all of the police genre movies—they're going to all come back because that's a genre that will never mm. ever go away. But you talk about even like. Someone like Randy Jurgensen, he's probably been waiting for years with his great book, Circle of Six. And I'm sure he's had many people say, oh, we're going to make this a movie. And then, like you said, uh, the Chauvin thing happens and all police novels or things that are waiting to go on the big screen are, are canceled. Mm. Well, they both kind of sort of happen at the same time, which you don't want either one of them to happen, the pandemic or the Chauvin thing. The fact that they both happened at the same time, like our business got shut down during the pandemic. But also, if you had if your business revolved around anything police related, the Chauvin incident hit you hard as well. But they both kind of sort of happened at the same time. It was closed. Everything was that you know done anyway. You couldn't really operate the way you wanted to during the pandemic. So I mean. Now it's coming out. That police show that you were talking about, um, that I think that's back on the air or they picked it up again anyway, uh, PD Live. Um, and I think that uh, the uh, the cartoon, Pow Wow with the dog, whatever, the cop dog, I think they're letting them come back. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, they saw they took that dog, that the, the sheriff dog off the TV too. <laughs> so crazy. Man. Like he was really making, I don't even know what, what, what that is. I think it's a dog, right? All cops are bad. Don't you know that? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Not Lieutenant, anymore, though. Lieutenant Even Peter Pranzo. Bad. Lieutenant Peter Pranzo from Harlem Raiders fame. Thank you so much for the $5 super chat. Joshua, our engineer, thank you so much for the $5 super chat. You're keeping us in business. That, that's a great thing. Uh, folks, this is Michael O'Keefe, retired 
NYPD first grade detective, the author of three novels. He's got two more ready to go. I mean, what a prolific writer this guy is. Maybe you should, if you want to do a memoir, send them, but I'm sure you don't want to write that kind of no, stuff. No, right, not. I don't believe <laughs> in memoirs. Uh, no. No. Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, I, I love hearing from old time detectives, and I want to hear the most important story in their careers. But I had that in A Reckoning of Brooklyn. In, in Brooklyn, I, I had an undercover story from a friend of mine, a Angelo uh, Florio. Angelo got shot back in the 70s, uh, making a two kilo buy in Brooklyn. Uh, and it's a, a harrowing story, but it's one chapter in a book. It's not a whole book. You know, one war story does not a novel make. Uh, so if you would like to see your story reflected through Patty Durr in, in a novel, by all means, reach out to me. I would love to hear it. I would love to incorporate it into the narrative that I'm running already with my novels. But if you're looking to write a, uh, a memoir, I wish you all the luck in the world. <laughs> Nancy Elizabeth, thank you so much for that $10 super chat. NYPD family, always back the blue 100%. Thank you that there's still NYPD fans out there. There's still fans of the blue out there. There's still fund the police, not defund the police people out there. And we appreciate that. You know, you'd make a great police consultant. I was actually uh, hired as a police consultant on a primetime show that got greenlit. And um, it was interesting because I figured out really quick how hard these writers work on these shows. And the last thing they want is the, uh, the police consultant coming in on Thursdays and telling them that everything they wrote is wrong. So yeah. whatever they came up with, I, I just used to say, yeah, of course that could happen. Definitely. Yeah. They love me. We continue working for 17 weeks. I got paid. And then um, they had a new head of studio. The show, instead of getting picked up, uh, the writer, Andy Breckman, who wrote the show, Monk. So it just goes to show you an Emmy Award well, that's winner. That's a realistic police show. Well, uh -huh. whatever it is. Uh, my, the one we were doing was even worse. It was about... Um, the lady could read handwriting, so she was solving homicides by reading handwriting. It's off, based off a book that she wrote. We were going to do a whole series on that. Wow. Hey, it's TV, man. You Shouldn't know, there's, there's certain things on TV that uh, – and look at the whole uh, Law & Order has been running for 20-something years, right? It's just a, a whole franchise. Yeah. And I, could... I, I always cringe in Law & Order when they – Feel they always have to read Miranda right on the scene. And they, they love it so much. Joe Jones, you're under arrest. You have the right to, I mean, I've never seen that anywhere. TV, man. I know, TV. but it's disgusting if it's not true. Stop doing it. <laughs> they you know, know it's, it's not true. <laughs> they know it's not true. <laughs> I know, but it's so like theatrical. Yet it, uh, cops, you, when you see that, I, I just, ooh, I cringe, you know? Yeah, yeah. Especially if it's a cop in uniform doing it. Or you know what's another funny thing? When it's a busy intersection and they're, they're talking to the guy across the street and he uh, can hear them. You, know, uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. you ever think of that? There's no way on a city street this guy oh, across well, the street could hear what you're saying. The one thing in Law & Order is the, the, guys, the person that they're going to interview, the cops, when they show up at their job or at their home, they're always walking away. Like, I can't talk right now. I'll be like, yo, do me a favor. Where the fuck are you going? Get over here. Right <laughs> yeah, here. They're always so busy. <laughs> yeah, they're always talking. But that's because you have to keep the scene moving. 
There has to be movement in the scene. I hate, you know what I hate the most is when cops turn into libs. Because I've I've met about three liberal cops in my entire police career. And when I see it on these police shows, I want to vomit. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Well, Blue Bloods is a, is a great show because it has both sides. And there, there's always that scene at the end where they're sitting at the table and you got the... Uh, the lib side of the family and you got the conservative side of the family. They're all one family, but they somehow they all work it out. And and somehow they get through a meal and nobody gets stabbed. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. What it's, world are they living in? It's TV. It's TV. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's Gilligan's Island, but the police version. Yeah. <laughs> Someone, Nancy Elizabeth said, there's more libs than you think, said. <laughs> Woke goes broke. I like that one. That's a good expression, you know. Yeah, it's the truth. I mean, uh, ent the entertainment industry is have swallowed woke ascendancy hook, line, and sinker, and now they're ramming this agenda down your throat. But the thing about it is the consumer has to buy it, and they know it's bullshit, and they're not buying it. Right. So this is going to go on until it hurts them in the pocket, and then they realize, oh, yeah, we're selling stuff. We, we got to sell it. And, you know, that's I'll be here when that happens. You know, keep generating material. But, uh, you know, sooner rather than later, I want the bigger house in Florida. Well, you know, MC's Audio just said he's, he's a smart kid. He's a great broadcaster, MC's Audio, Mike Cologne. He says, I mean, look at the ratings for award shows lately. And he's so it's so true. I, I love You're unwatchable. The they on what, but I, except when Richie, Ricky Gervais, Ricky, Ricky Gervais, Gervais is brilliant. Oh, and he killed them at that one show. I was yeah. howling, laughing. And then you had to see their face. Did you see Tom <laughs> Hanks's face? He was like, he couldn't believe what he was saying, the shit he was saying today. Yeah, yeah. He goes, don't come up here and give some political speech. Take your little award. He goes, most of you have less education than Greta Thunberg. I love that. That was the greatest, <laughs> that was the yeah. greatest line. Yeah. So don't try to say, because people out there, they don't want to hear what you have to say. You yeah. know, <laughs> yeah. I loved it. And when you saw the faces of all these, yeah. you know, wealthy people, all the Green New Deal people, they, but they all came there with private jets. Yeah. This guy, listen, this kind of stuff happens. I don't know. I don't, you know, I, you, well, Mark, you want me to stop beating up the libs? No, no. What I'm saying is like in the 70s, when my when, uh, 60s and 70s, my father was involved in all that kind of stuff. And it's like whack-a-mole. You know, they do it, they do it, they get a, a certain – uh you know, they, they get their message out there to a certain extent. Then it's like whack-a-mole. They, they mm. whack them back in. They don't go away. They're still there. And then they make another wave. This run has been a big push because um, we had a whole bunch of stuff going on at the same time. And, you know, they're creeping in through the schools. But I think, like Bill said, I think it's done. Uh, well, somebody said in the chat, uh, Joe Murray, I think it's it's starting to happen that um, – it, the wave has turned. The, the 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 fund the police is not something that anybody wants. Well, except for Minneapolis, because mm. they're they just well, no, uh, they, they don't want it anymore. They 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 want the police again. No, no, no. Well, they just put this thing in. Uh, they're they're going to try a new way. Oh, they're, yeah. they're trying to put it on the voting uh, on the on the ballot uh, to pick a new way of uh, policing to the vote. Uh, they're probably going to lose, obviously, but um, but it's it's going to. They're trying to get it on the ballot as far as um. Mm. Getting rid of the police department, and creating a whole new system. Oh, you know, listen. <laughs> yeah, that's that. There is, you know, that occurred in the past. It's called anarchy. Well, yeah. uh, to Good me, luck, Minneapolis. Let me tell you something. If there's a state like that, 
and they're going to do that, then every single person in the country who believes that should move there, and then I'll be fine. Let them all yeah, live there. But, but they won't. They'll leave Minneapolis and bring their bullshit policies with them. I mean, well, uh, you know what's going to happen? They're going to flip Texas to a blue state if they keep moving from California to Texas. That's what's happening. Well, uh, with, with, you know, with respect to that, okay. Um, They're doing pretty good. You're talking about the waves, and 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 I'll give you a New York City history perspective of that. In the in the in the 60s and the 70s, the liberal ascendancy took charge of New York uh, in the uh, in the person of. Uh, John Lindsay and uh, John Lindsay was a freaking disaster and it was mm -hmm. because of him that we had the crisis through the 70s and it took Ed Koch who was a conservative Democrat and a law enforcement Democrat to fix what John Lindsay broke the Democrats and the liberals again took over New York and it culminated basically in David Dinkins who who stepped in for a short time between Koch, we had Dinkins, and he doubled down on, on, on John Lindsay's policies, and it was a disaster. People <laughs> dying by the thousands in New York. And it took Rudy Giuliani to institute a law enforcement, let's take the city back, friendly to business. Michael Bloomberg was smart enough not to toy with that success. Because that's what it was. It was success. He wanted to take away our sugary beverages and, and, and institute a nanny state type of thing. But with respect to uh, law and order, Bloomberg was smart enough not to toy with success. Everybody stayed home for the mayoral election that resulted in Bill de Blasio. And he was so bad, you thought there had to be a groundswell. For somebody who wasn't like him, but it wasn't. Everybody stayed home again, and we got another Bill de Blasio term. This is three times now. How bad is it going to get before people who don't vote, who ordinarily just want to be left alone to go to work, are going to realize, I don't have schools to send my children to. I can't get to work without being accosted or assaulted by some homeless crazy person. At what point are you going to vote correctly and realize that these policies don't work? They fail time. It's like socialism. It fails every time it's tried. Stop trying. <laughs> Mike, Sergeant Melinda wants to know, if she orders your new book, how can she get an autographed copy from you? Uh, do you have my uh, email address? Tell me what it is right now. I'll put it in the chat. Oh, boy. You don't remember? <laughs> <laughs> okay, don't yeah, remember I got my email address is, uh, I'm trying to remember. I have the author's address. You know what? I'll just give you my regular email. It's mikeokeefe297 at yahoo.com. There just, there's no apostrophe. No apostrophe, no punctuation, no caps. Mike O'Keefe, what's the numbers? 297 at yahoo.com. And then we'll. I'll talk. I'll talk to you, uh, Melinda personally, and we'll and we'll arrange for me to get her some autograph copies. All right. So Melinda, just uh, email Mike at that uh, email, and he'll arrange for you to get a signed uh, copy. And that's anybody else that's interested in that deal. You you can do the same, and uh, we'll get it together, and uh, I'll figure out how to get you a book. I don't know if you guys saw this one. I don't know if you could see it, but wait a minute, I'm screwing it up. 
Donnie Brasco himself. Nice. Oh, wow. That's he sent great. me his book. Is that, that Joe Pistone? Yes. Uh, but he, he signed it Donnie Brasco for some reason. Uh, <laughs> it's funny when I when I correspond with him on email and I ask him something, he gives me a one word answer. <laughs> Joe, could you come on this date? Yes. Oh, yes. Joe, can you do this? No, I, I'm like it's a man, a few words, you know. Which you can, which count upon it. All right, I, I actually have a, have a story along those lines. I was doing uh, when I put out my short story book, Thirteen Stories, Fractured, Twisted, and Put Away Wet. I did a launch party at the famous Coogan's, which is out of business now, unfortunately. Uh huh. In the Heights was being filmed around the block, and Jimmy Smith, who was in that movie, actually is a very good, is a big fan of the police. He's an East New York guy. He was, uh, he was obviously an NYPD blue, and uh, one of the detectives in from the TV movie unit told him, "Hey, listen, on the meal break, why don't you go over to Coogan's famous uh, cop and detective? Uh, he's an author now. He's debuting his new book." So he came right over and he came into the bar and he's talking to uh, to Dave, one of the owners. And I'm looking at him and I recognize him, but I can't, you know, I don't expect to see him there and, and I can't place who he is. And then it occurs to me and he comes over to me and he says, hey, how you doing? Uh, Detective Bobby Simone. And he sticks his hand out. <laughs> so I was like, I shook his hand. I'm like, hey, how you doing? Detective Patty Dirt. He goes, wait a minute. I thought you were Mike O'Keefe. I am, but if you're going to use a bullshit fictional detective, so am I. <laughs> oh, that was the greatest thing you ever heard. He ended up buying all the books. So Jimmy Smith is a good guy, and he's in in my book. He's a good guy. That's great. Man. That's great. That's a great story. You know, even through this, like we meet a lot of cool people that you know we would never meet otherwise if we weren't doing this. You know, yeah. And uh, you realize there's some really great people out there, and and we all. I know we can get down on the politics and all that, but we all are very positive people or else we wouldn't be doing what we're doing. You know what I mean? Like you're writing, you wouldn't be writing if you weren't a positive guy because you wouldn't be able to get out of bed and do it. You know, Mark <laughs> wouldn't be doing comedy and going down South to Tennessee to do a comedy show and, you know, and or, and or doing this podcast. You have to remain positive. That's for sure. You know, I'm trying to find this up. Uh, Somebody mentioned that their fat, uh, their father was on the job and worked under Lindsay. Ah, oh, man, I lost the. the... Was that the chair? A, a sergeant? A father was a sergeant under Lindsay. Well, oh yeah, he worked under Lindsay. Yeah, that that must have been an interesting time. Yeah, he had those ideas in the late '60s that come out of De Blasio's mouth right now, and you're just mm. like, oh my god. Well, how is he? Uh... Lindsay is the one who had the bright idea that they were going to build all the housing projects mm -hmm. right on the water in Rockaway. Who does that? You know, the, the, I heard a story that a lot of those projects are built by the water because at the time the, uh, the sewage, it smelled really bad. Nobody wanted to live there anyway. No, everybody wanted to live in the Rockaways. It's nonsense. Well, I'm talking about maybe the other projects in the city. What well, had occurred, the reason why they ended up building there is that, that whole area where the, where, where the projects are on the Rockaways, those were old bungalow communities back when that was when the Rockaway was called uh, the Irish Riviera. Mm -hmm. And they were old bungalow communities and they were decrepit and they were falling down and they were for the, mo for the most part condemned. And the area started to get sketchy because of the train line coming through. So what occurred was after they knocked all of those down, it was vacant land that they could buy for next to nothing. It had never been valued land. It was a bungalow community. 
So the city was able to scoop that up, eminent domain it, and put up the projects there. And they didn't have to worry about a surrounding community who would have pitched a bitch about putting housing projects up near them. That's mm. the reason. But a forward-thinking person would say, hey, this is oceanfront property. All we have to do is invest a little bit of money, maybe put a uh, hotel, you know, high-priced houses. It's oceanfront property. Yeah, but those projects could have pretty went anywhere. Now, Mark, Lincoln, it's, it's, he was not Nancy, a forward-thinking man. It's Nancy Elizabeth. She posted, my dad was a sergeant under Lindsay. My dad taught me about politics because of, of him. I guess because of Lindsay, you know, <laughs> and most cops, you know, are not shy about uh, talking about their politics. Uh, folks, thank you so much. All you people that are uh, been big supporters of police off the cuff. Um, there's a little flyer there, please. If you like this uh, podcast and you're not subscribed, hit the subscribe button on YouTube. Give us a thumbs up. Uh, we can always use whatever support you have. Follow us on Facebook. We have a website called policeoffthecuff.com. You can also get us on Patreon. Uh, join us on Patreon. It's uh, We have three different levels on Patreon. Uh, here it is right there. At the bottom, there's the little banner, www.patreon.com slash policeoffthecuff. For $7 a month, you can join us. You're the bucket. For $9, you can polish my rack. And for $11 a month, you are the premiere, and I'm going to try to put it up there so you can really appreciate it. Where are you now? I'm, I'm missing the dipped in butter. Oh, oh, here we go. You get to be dipped in butter. And that is our, <laughs> that is our most famous expression here on Police Off the Cuff. So if you want to be dipped in butter and join our Patreon, it costs $11 a month. Hey, how, how's our merch page coming along? It's coming along great. Um, our merch, soon we're going to have merchandise. I, I know you guys don't appreciate the massive undertaking this is. And I why should you? It's our job to do it. And it's Josh, our engineer, to do it. But it is a massive undertaking to put merchandise out and to get things that you would like. And it's not an easy thing, but we're working on it. We're but some of the samples it. that we've seen so far are kick-ass, right? Yeah, we have. We actually have a, an iPhone holder uh, that says, yeah, yeah, uh, says dipped in butter on yeah, the back. I, lo I love that does, one. Who doesn't want one of those? And of course, coffee cups. And one of the, there was a hat that has "Police Off the Cuff" on the front. I thought it was I can't beautiful. Wait. I can't wait to get this stuff. Josh, yeah, Josh is in the chat. It's all coming soon. It's, um, <laughs> he's working on it. Our, our engineer Josh is like, uh, I'm an amazing guy. He's doing all this work from sunny California, but uh, he's been he did our website for us. If you haven't been on our website, check it out. That's policeoffthecuff.com. And he's just done uh, an amazing job for us. And I, I can't uh, talk enough about Josh. We're also on Instagram. There we are on Instagram. Uh, and and uh, let me just mention one more time that uh, I, I was in Nashville and I was uh, at this TAC Ops. And if you're a SWAT team guy, uh, tactical, uh, hostage negotiation, um, any type of this is if you're a buff, a straight up buff, and you love this kind of stuff, see if you if you're on the job, see if you can get uh, the job to pay for you to go to one of these training. The the speakers that are there are great, experts in their field. That you go to some uh, training during the day, and then uh, they also have the trade show there where you get to see all the latest in law enforcement uh, stuff. The stuff that's coming out, it's really really fascinating what they're doing with drones, what they're doing with telephones, what they're doing with these. Uh, those flash bombs that they throw in, 
the rifles, the guns that I saw. It's just amazing. And it's not that expensive either. A weekend over there could cost you like uh, uh, 400 bucks. It's nothing, really. And you have a great time, and you get to uh, meet other buffs. It's an amazing time. <laughs> Someone hey, wants hey, to. Hey, guys, since you're, uh, since you're boosting all, all the uh, web pages, you think you could throw my web page up there? Yeah, yeah, let's go. I can, what is it? MichaelO'KeefeAuthor.com. Let me see if I can pull it up on the. Uh... Yeah, and if uh, if you guess when they get finished scrolling through all the free material, and there's a lot, scroll down to my Amazon link and click on that, and you can buy all of my books, and they're all fairly discounted. Let me see. Uh, I don't. It's it's hard to pull up the website on this. It's yeah. um, you know it is because I'm on another screen. I don't know if I could do it. Hopefully we can create a joint venture where we can do a podcast live and we can have you come there as uh, you know, I guess you stop in, but you also have a booth there and maybe a couple of other authors from the shows too. Uh, the, the big guests can have a booth there too. Maybe yeah, we can have a, a comedy, some comedy to it, you know, make it a whole evening, an event. Sure. It's something that we should start preparing for. Yeah. I'm going to just try to uh, share this for a second. I don't know if I, this stuff is uh, it's like a it's like a multiple a multiple. Uh, hey, there we go. You don't need to do that. You just make some gun collars and robbery collars. I'm like, if I can do that in Long Island City, you don't think I can do it on Nicaragua Avenue? He's like, I know. Two <laughs> weeks later, the transfer comes down when no one will touch me with a ten foot pole. Joe. Uh -huh. It was the guy with the 11 football. Right. Wow, that's yeah. to the eighth rate. But the day that the order comes down for the transfer, here we go again. I'm in federal court, watching my partner Patty Regan be convicted of perjury. Here we are. Oh, who's that? Who's that handsome guy there? Look at those handsome guys. Uh, the original Bill Cannon, with the palatial estates, uh, legendary what, officer. What, was, what do we call it? A palatial. The, the palatial estates. Yeah. I'm like, I'm a legendary author. You know, I was just commenting yeah. off the air that, you know, <laughs> these podcasts are much funnier, but this one's pretty damn serious, right? I guess the nature of this needs to be serious. There you go, bro. Uh, you know, it's listen, I, I, I'm there, not right? trying, I'm not going for goofy laughs or trying to be like, ha <laughs> funny. I would, wherever the story takes us. And it's a fascinating yeah. Bill. Remarkable. <laughs> when you watch the early episodes, the, the, it's so funny, isn't it, Bill? It is, but you know, some they were they were pretty. They were good, but we, we was, had a completely we had a completely different style. Yeah, it was, but they, that was a pretty. He was Mike was uh, one of our top I don't know, earlier week. Oh. You know, in the beginning, he was one of the first. The first I guess six best. months he was on in the first six months, and I remember we did your show and you told the story of the Kiko Garcia. We all got really emotional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I it was that. really, we were all almost like in tears. If you're a fan the of the show, you should probably go back and check out that episode. I get it's moving. I tell you, man, it's great. It's great radio. I mean, I, 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 te I teared up. I, I probably cried. Um, I, I remember that. It was a very, very emotional episode. And it was a great, great story. Mike, you tell a great story. <laughs> you do. I, I you had an eventful story. life, so. Well, you know, it was just like when we, uh, Marianne DeLuco McGinnis, uh, when she was telling the story of the suicide of her husband, who oh. was an NYPD sergeant, leaving her with three kids. I mean, 
If that story didn't make you tear up. You've had you know, a lot of good ones, man. Yep. Yeah. It's uh, Dr. Um, Washkel, who's like an amazing, amazing uh, expert on suicide prevention. We've, I mean, look, we've actually, we have had some amazing shows, you know, and uh, I Mike don't want to blow our own horn, but just. But, yeah. Mike is one of the guys who started us off though. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, a police show. I mean, we're never at a loss for content. It's, I mean, remember when we were rookies and we came on the job, there was always one old timer that said, welcome to the greatest show on earth. For 20 years, you got a front row ticket. That's true. Was he yeah. lying? No, he wasn't lying. He wasn't lying. Folks, well, uh, we're, at, we're at actually over an hour right now. And I just uh, want to thank everybody. I don't know if you've noticed, but in the past 28 days, we added over 6,000 new subscribers, which wow. was just for us is, is an amazing thing. And I'm, we're going to keep working hard at this and we want to get, we're at, I think we're at like 10,300 subscribers right now, but we want to double that 10 in the next month or two and just keep growing this and, uh, you know, keep, keep the word, keep the word out there that cops are good people. Uh, keep bringing on police supporters, keep bringing on fantastic guests, which is, I believe we have keep covering real crime story cases in the, in a, uh, a true way in the, in the police perspective. And that's what our goal is. And uh, a lot of people, factual breakdown. Thank you so much. You just wrote, I love this channel. Joe Murray, 10.3. Keep it up. Yeah, Joe, we are with your support. We really appreciate your support. The Pranzos, Peter Pranzo and Richella Pranzo. Uh, we love you guys. You've been with us from the beginning. Thank you so much for helping us out. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty much done talking. Mark, you have any final words? No, I just wanted to thank Michael for coming on and blessing us again. It was great to have you. It was a pleasure to be here. If I could just shout out to the list, listeners, I want them to know that they're all invited. It's a free event. Next That's Thursday, the 29th, 7 o'clock at night, 1900 hours to you, police. Uh, happy hour and book launch for uh, Burnt to a Crisp. Come join me. Have a drink with me. It's in the Nutty Irishman on Main Street in Farmingdale. That's the book, Burnt to a Crisp. And you can get, Mark, they can order it on Amazon, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah. All my books are available on Amazon. It's you just to uh, put my name in there. i tell you one thing. A Shot to Pieces, I read that like in a couple of days. It's a great book. And everyone in my family ripped it off from my house. I don't even know where it is right now. <laughs> I stole it right out of my house. And then, of course, Reckoning in Brooklyn, I read that. And I gave that to a friend at the gym. I don't Actually, he just gave it back to me recently. But it was passed to like three or four different people. But that doesn't help Mike. You know, he needs the he needs the <laughs> dough. But still, it just shows that the the books are great and people are reading them. So, uh, want to congratulate you that on that, Mike and uh, NYPD Captain. Uh, that's that's Stefano, right? Three four forever. Now Andrew Stefano. No Andrew again. Andrew De Stefano. Yeah, great guy, and he's he's been uh, he's been watching the shows recently, and we're, we're so happy to have him here. Uh, Anthony Merck, he says, come down to Florida. Anthony, I want to do that one of these days. David well, Herbsman. For me in February. You're going down there in February? I think I'm done. I think I've seen my last New York winter. Oh, yeah. I don't okay, blame yeah, you. Yeah. I don't blame you, man. Once football's uh, over, there's no reason for me to be here. Factual yeah. breakdown, she says, come to Oak Island, North Carolina. That sounds beautiful down there. Yeah, I've heard Mar some nice things about that. Mar Marie Green, are you from Florida, too? She says, love to um, Florida. Fly, come fly to Florida. Love to come, need to fly out. Okay, Marie Green. Uh, Margaret O'Hearn, police off the cuff. Do any of you remember Detective Jack Flynn? 
former driver of Commissioner Lee Brown, wonderful man. I don't know if I ever met him, Margaret. Um, retired Sergeant Melindo. Melinda, excuse me. How did I say Melindo? Melinda, you can all, y'all can come stay on the condo in Florida. Melinda, <laughs> you're the best. Thank you so much for inviting us. Tim Acosta, big supporter of ours. Thank you so much. We appreciate all you folks. And I guess I've been talking too much. So uh, on behalf of Police Off the Cuff After Hours, I'm Bill Cannon with Mark DeMeo. Good night, guys. Thank you so much. <laughs>